Let's begin class. Once again, it's good to see all of you this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. As always, Father, we... Father, we come before you this morning, not that we don't live in your presence, but we make a decision this morning to incline our natural ears to the sharing of your word, praying and trusting that you will speak by your spirit to our spiritual ears. Father, that what is said this morning by the Holy Spirit through a vessel will minister to our souls. Father, not only minister to the souls of those who are in this class, but even minister to my soul. For surely, as he who teaches or she who teaches teachers we are also learners so father minister to us this morning by your spirit father there are needs in this room this morning that some of us are aware of and none of us are really aware of most of our needs but father you know us well you know us completely. You know us comprehensively. So, Father, minister to us, especially in those areas that are deep and that we're not aware of. Continue to do your good work of sanctifying, of transforming us, of conforming us into the image of the Lord Jesus, which is in whom your glory is manifested. Thank you for this. Thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going, I think, I'm planning to anyway, to finish verses 4 and 5, which will finish this little section of verses, and next week we'll go into verses 6 to 12. So this morning let's read what we have, verses 4 and 5. For whoever is born of God... Now, by the way, when it says whoever is born of God, are all of us part of that whoever? Remember how to be born of God. Who are the ones who are born of God? Those are the ones whom the Holy Spirit has birthed into the kingdom of God. Correct? The Holy Spirit has birthed us into the kingdom and has changed our hearts of stone, our hearts that did not believe, or hearts that would not believe, or hearts that could not believe, into a heart of flesh. So that when the Holy Spirit entered us, when he occupied us, when he came to dwell in us, at that point he changed our hearts into a fleshly heart that said, I need to be saved. I am a sinner. I do not want to be under the wrath of God. And at that point, the Holy Spirit shows us that the only remedy for escaping the wrath of God to become a child of God, sorry, as becoming a child of God is to receive Jesus. 
And so we are being embraced by the Holy Spirit when we are born again. And that embracement by the Holy Spirit is causing us now to embrace Jesus as our Savior. Those who are born of God. So those who are born of God, what? What do they do? They overcome the world. He who is born of God overcomes the world. You remember last week we talked about the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So let's remember this. The world is not just a gathering of a lot of people on earth. The world is not just a collection of cultures, although it is. The world is not just a philosophy of one group and another group and another group, though it is. Most basically, please, please get this. From the perspective of God, the world is that religious system that is under the domination or the control of the God of this world. One of the most basic problems in the church is this. Too many Christians don't really believe that. We just don't see it. And yet it is that way. And we think that what that means is this, that everybody in the world will be going <laughs> satanic stuff, you know, like that, and murdering and killing. Everyone in this world who is not of God is an enemy of God. You remember that. We read that in Romans 5. So we are in a world. We are living in a theological system which at every point, in every aspect, and at every moment is in absolute, complete, aggressive opposition to the glory of God led by the enemy. Satan, who is the God of this world. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? How many of you believe it? Well, at least five or six believe it. It doesn't feel that way. But the testimony of God is that this is the way it is. So we discussed the world a little bit last week. And so, this morning... John is going to tell us, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So you wouldn't know this, but verse 4 begins with a Greek word, G-A-R, gar. Which translated can mean for this reason, for this reason. So for what reason? Why is John beginning verse 4 for this reason? Well, he's pointing back to verse 3. Our obedience, remember in verse 3, is not a burden. Remember that? His commands are not burdensome is the end of verse 3. And our obedience is not a burden. Why? 
Why shouldn't it be? And why is it not a burden to us? Because God is using our faith. God is in the midst of our faith to proclaim the glory of his son. How? As we are overcoming the world. We were saved. We were born again. We were regenerated. We became children of God for this purpose so that we would be those who are overcoming the world. And in doing so, we would be proclaiming him who has overcome the world. So overcoming the world is the method that God uses to bring about on earth during this particular period of time, the revelation that there is a man in the heavens, the God man, who has overcome the world and who is now ruling and reigning and who will be returning. So he says, our faith overcomes the world. For whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So how does our faith overcome the world? How does that happen? Well, the answer is that our faith overcomes the world in two different perspectives, through two different ways through the practice of our faith in the beginning, the first part of verse four, and in the position of our faith. And we have to make sure that we get the two distinguished. Very important to distinguish between the two. Our faith is God's work in us to overcome the world through us. The first part of verse four, John says, our faith overcomes it is the practice of our faith that overcomes. And the reason our faith can overcome is stated in the second part of verse 4 is because our faith has overcome. Do we see the difference? We must make sure we see the difference. And this is typically Bible terminology. So let's look at verse 4a. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Now, do you know what tense overcomes is? Now, I t we told you to listen to the grammar teacher. <laughs> you know, I, I used to teach English, you know, and one of the things we taught was grammar, right? Past, present, perfect tenses. Present tense. So what tense is overcomes? It's present tense. Overcomes is a word which says, the tense says, is right now in the process of overcoming. Overcomes is the continual present work of overcoming. So what is the practice of our faith to be? If we are born again, we are those whose faith currently, we are overcoming the world. It's not that we're going to overcome and we hope to overcome and maybe we are overcoming. The apostle doesn't say that. If we are born again, we are overcoming the world. One of the indications of our, the genuineness of our faith. Remember we said our faith is set on three legs. It's set on, do we believe that Jesus is the Christ? Secondly, the moral, that's a doctrinal test. The moral test is what? Are we obedient to God? 
And the relational test is, are we loving God with the love with which he has loved us? And are we loving one another with that same love? Well, how do we know that's happening? Ronnie, how do we know? We know it, brother, because we are overcoming the world. That faith is faith that is confronted by the world, discerns who is behind the ways and the activities and the processes and the whatevers of the world. And that faith withstands it and refuses to cooperate with that theological system and makes a decision to walk in obedience to God. We're overcoming the world. And so he does not say that we need, as I said, to overcome the world. He doesn't say, well, I hope you overcome the world. Do you notice that? He says, if you are a believer, you are overcoming the world. Now, just to set our minds at rest a little bit, does he mean that this is a 100% activity, that we are doing it perfectly? Does he mean that? Hmm? No. But what he does mean is this. There is a progressive increase we should see a progressive increase in our ability, desire, and success in overcoming the issues of the world. That's called sanctification. That's called being transformed. That's called being conformed to the image of Christ. So I want to make sure we see this this morning. Our purpose in this world is not to embrace the world's cultures. Well, everybody's doing it, Joe. Everybody's wearing it. Everybody's going there. Everybody's saying it. May I say this without raising my voice? That word, everybody, is Satan's. It's a deception. Well, why shouldn't we do that? Well, everybody's doing it, Liz. Think about it. Ben, think about your own life. Oh, by the way, does everybody... Stand up, Ben. Does everybody know this guy? This is Ben. Hey, Ben. What was I talking about, Celestine? (laughs) Now listen. Think about the activity. Think about the whatever. Think about it in your own life. Now how many of us know we're compromising? How many of us know that? Quite a few of us. We know we're compromising. So what are we going to do about it? When we're confronted, the pastor says something in a sermon. Your wife says, your husband, you know. We get upset. 
And here's what we say. It's okay. Because Donnie, when I go there, it's okay to take the family there. Because it's fun. It's fun. Come on. Are you with me? It's fun to go to certain places. Well, it's okay today because the culture has changed. Do you hear yourself in this? How many of you hear yourselves in this? I'm just telling you the way I think and what I've heard from others. And we begin to develop, Gordon, a litany of excuses that hopefully cover our compromise. Come on. Are you with me this morning? Can somebody say amen? Come on, we know this. And we have failed to see that in doing these things, I'm talking about the things that are contrary to the manifestation of God's glory in me. And we are compromising, thus denying God's benefit in our salvation. You see, God's glory is his benefit. It's his benefit. He saved us for his own benefit. For our good, which is his benefit. Do we see that? And so we have this whole litany of stuff. Well, and I'm going to say it this way. You know, I missed the school of the word on several occasions because of don't, please don't tell me that unless you're in the hospital, can't move, and they can't get your hospital bed over here. <laughs> Seriously. You know why this room isn't filled? Because there are too many who don't care enough. <gasps> Have I said it too strongly, Nick? I'm not getting through this lesson very, I may, seriously, I may have to go next week into this, but I, I have to share how I feel the Holy Spirit leads me to share. The guy in pink, stand up. How many of you know that guy in pink? That's Ben. Good to see you, Ben. Brother, thanks for being here this morning. We talked last night. What was I saying, Ben, before you interrupted me? (laughs) The question this morning is this. First of all, are we those who are currently overcoming The theology of this world, especially in those areas where overcoming is going to be a real problem. Well, if we don't do this and my kids are, oh. So compromising so that your kids can be happy. 
is more important than overcoming, and they may be sad or angry at the time. But I guarantee this, that in 25 years when your children are adults, they have heard a gospel that overcoming is less significant than compromise. And some will wish to God that we had made the right decision. Don't make decisions based on today. How many of you parents and grandparents, when the children were going through high school, basically, not every moment, but basically, did not compromise on them doing homework and attending school? How many of you did not compromise on that? Why? Why? I mean, why? Renee, how could you be so mean? Anton, oh, man. What was the reason? Because we saw a future that was so significant that the present compromise was intolerable. Are you following me today? Friends in Christ, I am among you as one who listens to what is coming out of my mouth. We have to do a better job, if you would. We have to. For the sake of of God's purpose in us for saving us. We are those who are in this theological system but who are not of the system who are to be manifesting in this system in the midst of it the truth theology that Jesus Christ is Lord. Can you say amen? Patrick, this is why you were saved. If this is irksome, please ask God to cancel your salvation. Really, please do that. I'm just concerned that in churches in general, there is not enough discussion and preaching about these kinds of things I'm concerned there's too much compromise in the pulpits where ministers, pastors teachers, elders I'm a teacher, an elder, a pastor too often we're skirting these things because we don't want to offend and lose our people and in the process of skirting these things or just backing away a little bit, don't you see? We won't discuss them going there. Because that's, their, that's too many people in the church to do that. So, shh, shh. Whom are we offending? Come on. Whom are we offending? God. Steve, is that wise? Steve Roberts, is that wise? No. 
You see, when John says, we are those who are overcoming the world, this apostle is not ignorant of what's going on. Do you remember John the apostle? Do some of you remember him? This is not in your notes. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm not sorry, but just take notes. You know, we could say, well, he doesn't know he doesn't have any kids. He doesn't know what it's like. I remember years ago, Gene and I have one daughter. Now, the reason we only have one daughter, because when you hit perfection, you ain't needing nothing else, so you don't even worry about it. You need to meet my daughter. She is perfection. And we were discussing some kind of way about training and disciplining children. Do you remember this, Bert? You do remember this, don't you? We were discussing this with other folks who had more kids. Paul, would you introduce the lady sitting next to you? Can it, did everybody hear that? No, you got to speak up. We can't hear you. Where you at, Anna Maria? Good to see you here. Thank you so much for coming in. That's a poor clap. <laughs> yeah. That, that first one sounded like dribble. <laughs> Don't you love being in the class? That's from the Todd Tucker group over there. And so, May, we were discussing raising children. And this is what we were told, Pam. You only have one. So you don't have enough experience to speak into the lives, you know, to tell us anything. <laughs> There's too little discussion and emphasis in this area. It is far more important to pay the price of overcoming today so the glory of God may be manifested in us, not only today, but on that day. And on that day, listen to this old man. On that day, do you know what I mean by that day, Nathan? The day we stand before the Lord Jesus. That day. On that day. Jesus will hand out rewards. Oh. <gasps> We're going to be rewarded, Jan, for our behavior. Did you know that? Yes, they're rewards. And they're going to be rewards and they're going to be lack of rewards on that day. And I hope that each one of us will say, I want as many rewards as I can get. Why? Here's the reason why. Think, mamas and daddies and grandparents, think.
The more your children are rewarded for their schoolwork, etc., who is more filled with joy? Your children or you? Come on. I am anyway. I am. And I want all the rewards I can get. Why? Because that means that God the Father is filled with joy over the gifts that he can give his children, huh? Are we awake this morning? Let me go back to this. The apostle knows it's difficult. Now, how many of you would admit, man, when I think of some of the things that maybe we shouldn't be doing, maybe places we shouldn't be going, you know, perhaps some of the language that I put up with. So I I listen to those TV programs and I realize I was doing this and all of a sudden it's going, what am I doing? What am I doing? And too often Cake man, we tolerate the language. Come on. Who can admit that you tolerate the language? Come on. Come on. Come on. We can be truthful in here. We tolerate the language. We tolerate it. And to say no to it is difficult. It's a struggle. Why? Because you see, our struggle is not against flesh and blood necessarily it is in the flesh and blood but it's against rulers and principalities and powers remember Ephesians 6 verse which one is 11 or 12 good 12 it's got to be correct the apostle knows this is difficult but you see This is what John should have realized. And he didn't realize something here. When John tells us that we overcome the world, we are overcoming the world. The man missed something. Shane, the man missed a very significant aspect. John, he missed something. Ray, he missed something. Abigail, he missed something. We're only human. Gail, we're only human. How many have ever said that? Uh, uh, some of your arms are wearing out. Some of you need to repent of not raising your arms. <laughs> we're only human, Purple. Everybody knows Diane Purple. In the face of great persecution, remember John has been exiled. This man knows tribulation and persecution. And yet in the face of it, this old man who is probably in his 80s or so by now, this old man is going to say, By the power of the Holy Spirit, 
I do not compromise with that which is made known to be, to me, to be anti-God. And as a result of that, we had this great divine letter here. Through a man whom God is still using to speak into our hearts. How many of you can say, thank God, the Apostle Paul was not a compromiser? Can anybody say, thank God? Can you say, thank God, that the Apostle Peter was not a compromiser? Doesn't mean that they didn't do anything wrong, but the trajectory of their lives was in overcoming. Thank God. Jesus was not a compromiser. Can you say amen? We're the ones who are overcoming the world now. But even in the face of this hostility, the apostle still insists. He still insists. You're going to be unpopular. It's going to be difficult. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be questioned. You're going to be hated. You're going to be whatever. You're going to be laughed at. (laughs) He still insists. If you're born again, you're overcoming the world. He doesn't equivocate. He doesn't back away. He doesn't accept excuses. He plows through You see, he knows that we are either overcoming the world or that we are being overcome. Listen to what second, first, second Peter 2, 19. By what a man or woman or young person, by what a person is overcome, he is enslaved. Do you see that? Do you see that? How do you know? That you are being enslaved by something. I'll just use a common example. That probably everybody in some way in this room will know about. The drinking of alcohol. Okay. I'm not telling you that it's a sin to have a glass of wine. I don't believe that. But if I were to say to you, I believe you should never drink again. How do you feel in your guts? How many of you, that's, well, you don't have to raise your hand on that. How many of you, that's a challenge. It's a challenge. You're being enslaved. You see, enslavement is felt in our guts. Suppose I said to you, may I step on a toe or two this morning, that going to Disneyland or world is compromising with the world. I mean, have you read the theme song? When you wish upon a star, you can determine who you are, your fate. You say, it's why witchcraft. 
necromancy, the, the dead. So if I said to you, you should never go to Disney World again. I want you to be in touch with how you feel about it inside. Man, are you being enslaved by it? I just have picked two very common examples. You have a popular television program. I don't name it because I don't know what it is right now. It's not that I never watch, but I'm not sure what it is. Can anybody name a, a controversial TV show? Come on, yell it out. Say, somebody said something? What is it? I'm sorry. Oh, come on, don't sit in here, guys, and tell me, I don't know. Well, whatever it is. And I said, you should never watch that again. How do you feel? Are you being enslaved? Does this help us to know what is going on in our souls? Now, you may think, good night. What is wrong with this man? This is radical. This is crazy. Have I said anything this morning that is contrary to the word of God? That's your question. And if I have not, if I've spoken according to the word of God, I'm not the crazy one. I'm not the weirdo. I'm not the radical. Let me tell you who's radical. God sent his son into the world. And 1 John 3, 8. For the son of God has appeared for this purpose that he might, what? Destroy the works of the devil. That's who, are, that's who we are to be. That's who we are, what we are doing. And hopefully, increasingly so, hopefully this morning, the Holy Spirit has spoken to us. When I say us, am I including myself? Usans, weans. Because I'm in the same boat that you are. And I have the same struggles that you have. And I have the same decisions that you have to make. Hopefully the Holy Spirit has spoken to us. And don't do this. Okay, whew, man, get out of that class. Let me get, hopefully, Keith will do a better job this morning in encouraging me. This should be an encouragement. See you next Sunday.